0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to the e-commerce unlocked podcast. Where as always you're gonna learn about all the things e-commerce. Today we've got a fun episode. We are talking and chatting with Irene Sharmac. She is from QuickBox Fulfillment. They have four locations across across the United States. They focus on high-volume e-commerce shippers with a focus on uh, multi-channel fulfillment. So if you're looking at, you know, you, you've nailed D 2 C, but you're thinking, okay, Amazon. Um, retail. What do those other things look like? Not every warehouse is good at that, so we're going to get into that a little bit today. But before we do, Irene, can you give us a little intro to yourself?
1: Yeah. Hi, everybody. Irene Sharmack. I'm CEO of Clickbox. I have been in the logistics space for most of my career, so 20 plus years. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on with us. Really. So right off the bat, we want to kind of know a little bit more about, from your perspective, how has the fulfillment industry changed since COVID?
1: that's, that's a loaded question. So <laughs> I, we're not taking uh, it easy on you. <laughs> you know, uh, for COVID, I would say the positives um, being in the 3PL, a third party logistics space, uh, we were really busy because we were an essential business. We were uh, shipping health and wellness uh, products and we stayed open and volumes just continued to surge. Um, people also shifted to buying online. So, you know, that actually has uh, continued to repeat as we, you know, move through post-COVID activity. Uh, During COVID, we had a lot of challenges. I mean, it was difficult to find labor. People were afraid of the pandemic. They were afraid to uh, go out and work. Um, We had carrier capacity issues. So our transportation providers, they, you know, were at capacity. And so they were taking a lot of the brands and moving them off of their uh, business scope of work. And so that pushed a lot of uh, challenges onto the third-party logistics providers. Um, We also, transportation costs surged. We had port constraints, uh, cost of supplies went up, rents and vacancy rates in in the real estate sector were difficult to expand. Uh, And then you have the compliance requirements for COVID that made it really difficult during COVID. In sum, I would say that the environment is shifting back to a normalized state Um, You know, warehouse capacity is actually starting to get better, although we've not seen cost decline. Uh, We now can get quality labor where before getting quality labor was difficult. And, you know, same thing there. I can't say that cost is actually declined. You know, we're still paying uh, pandemic level costs for labor and warehouse space. As far as like supplies and shipping containers and getting them into uh, the warehouse, getting supplies and getting our containers in that capacity has eased up and cost has actually uh, improved in both of those areas as well. So I think, you know, in some, I would say that, you know, we're, we're in a much better environment than we were in before. We're looking to expand in three of our geographies right now and we can find space where we couldn't find space before.
2: That was an amazing answer of hitting like every single aspect of fulfillment was like, there were shots fired at every (laughs) aspect of your business. It wasn't like, Oh, it was difficult. It was like no, dude. It, like, it was hitting the fan hard.
0: Like it was a, a rough, a rough what, time. What I understood yeah. is that like money, it's just more expensive across the bat, which that <laughs> sucks. Is.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it would. I would have to say in the in the twenty plus years that I've been doing this, it was the most challenging time to operate and to execute for our clients. You know, you still had to be open. Mm-hmm. They were giving you more volume than you were used to getting. You know, we didn't have the warehouse space to be able to do it. The carriers weren't picking up. The good news is, is that we navigated that very well, um, and it was fun solving the problem. And <clears throat> it's kind of nice to be back in a bit of a normalized state today, which is which is great.
2: What is crazy about that industry, or during that time period, I think um, there was a lot of opportunity in the warehouse space for sure. And I think what I'm kind of seeing on my end is a lot of uh, businesses grew a lot. But then as things are normalizing now, it's like, oh, either they have excess capacity possibly now um, or like the order volume is not there like it was like a couple of years ago um, on things. So it still is like a dynamic shift of like recovery mode maybe on it or people thinking like, hey, the 3PL industry or or logistics is going to continue to grow the way that it was during the pandemic. I think we see that a lot right now with – um, the shipping carriers with UPS and FedEx um, and things like that, like FedEx is cutting cutting delivery drivers and stuff like that just because volumes, not where it was a couple yeah. of uh, years ago and whatnot. And it's just a wild business to be in logistics. I mean, the ebbs and flows. I think, like, on a, in my experience as being, like, an operator, you have this, like, ultimate dream, I think, of being able to automate everything. I mean, it's like, I, you can geek out, like, oh, if we just get this one more process, it'll automate it, it'll be perfect. But then something comes from, like, as one door opens and another door closes, or whatever it is, it's like you're always under attack. No matter what, it's like if I can solve this one problem, we'll be good. And that's never the case. <laughs> so there's always something, something to, to work about. It's like, oh, cool. Once I streamline this, the carriers can take care of care of it. And it's like, oh, then have a UPS strike. It's like, oh, f. I mean, COVID was that like a million miles an hour where yeah. all the doors were just shutting. I guess. <laughs> so hopefully now it's more manageable. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so what's interesting about about supply chain logistics um, as, as a whole. Um, how have you guys been able to adapt with that? I mean, it's like in logistics world as a whole, COVID, non-COVID related, um, dealing with the ebbs and flows of seasonality, um, dealing with, yeah, either labor shortages or excess labor and stuff like that. How have you guys been able to manage that or what are some great tips and tricks you guys been able to implement there?
1: Yeah, you, know, you know, during COVID, we were connected to many of the different um, temp agencies that were out there to help supplement the the capacity. And the volume that, you know, we weren't used to seeing. I mean, it, it surged. And when it surged, it surged fast. Um, there mm-hmm. was a great demand for hourly labor. And so that became this bidding war at the time, right? So I think one of the things that we've really centered around as a company is, one, we want to be an um, employer of choice. So we look at, like, what do we, what does it look like for an employee? Engagement is a huge thing. So I'm a firm believer that if you engage your employees at every single level of the business, they know where we're going and why and they want to be part of that. So culture is super important. Don't get me wrong, pay is also important, but if I'm paying the same as somebody across the street or maybe a little bit more, but people feel like they're part of a bigger, you know, uh, process or part of this mission they're going to want to be part of it and they also feel valued so we really spent a lot of time on focusing on the employees having roundtables making sure we have startup meetings making sure that they're hearing from me every single week we're on a call to cascade information to every level of the business we do town halls so i feel like that has been a differentiator for us and people who when they want to when they come to the company they want to stay so i think that's been actually a positive for QuickBox.
2: No, that's great. Yeah, that's I think that's something that sounds like in the a lot 3PL, more. I think a lot of people in the three PL industry, that's kind of rare. I think um, it's more of, I don't know, get crap done mentality in a warehouse. It's like, hey, we have a thousand orders. We don't have time to focus on the people. We got to focus on the orders getting out or whatever it is. So that's a great differentiator um, as far as the employment aspect of things and a working relationship there. Um, it sounds uh, more rare, I'd yeah. say, in the three PL industry um, as a whole. So that's. kudos on that that's great we
1: also thank you you know one of the other things that we do too is we're very um continuous improvement focused so we have kaizen events on a calendar they're scheduled regularly scheduled whether it's like monthly or every six weeks but what's really fun about that too is we have cross-functional um folks come into those meetings and it could be somebody who is actually picking an order receiving in product working on the inventory team or it could be part of our c-suite attending those kaizen sessions they're doing value stream maps and they're all working together to solve the problems and that's just part of the culture which i think you know they feel like i said they feel part of the bigger picture and they want to stay connected to the business so it's been fun
0: well that's awesome that's great that's awesome um Changing a little bit of the kind of the the gears and and whatnot, I've I've kind of looked at your website, seeing kind of what you guys do. I noticed you have four different locations across the United States. And it looks like these are very strategically placed so that you're not, what's the max zone that you guys are shipping out?
1: You know, we, it depends on the client and where we locate them. So we, I would tell you that we have very strategic locations, and we look at a heat map of each independent client when we bring them in, and we actually cover it every QBR, and we determine where is the greater percentage of their population and their order shipping to. As you can imagine, it's usually California, Texas, like Florida, the Northeast, so that happy face distribution. We work with our brands to try and figure out like what's most important to them. Is it cost? You know, Is it time to home? And how do we best satisfy their requirements? Um, you, know, we, we, you know, I would say that with some of our solutions that we have today, we have a location in Denver and we do zone skipping out of Denver where we uh, send a truck, a line haul every night to Las Vegas and another line haul every mm. night to Chicago. So essentially their zone skipping basically overnight, they get inducted into those terminals and their zones start from there. So as you can imagine, the zones go down to like, you know, a three or four zone and they're actually getting two synthetic locations with their inventory only having to be housed in one location.
0: So I have so many questions. Um, How do you guys (laughs) do that? I mean, that sounds like a pretty intense like calculation. you run it like is AI involved Uh, because everybody's talking about AI (laughs) or I guess how is (laughs) how is your team doing this? Because like I've everson and I, a little little backstory. We were at the same brand. We had five warehouses at the same time, and we were just like pulling our hair out because it was such a nightmare keeping warehouse, you know inventory in each one and this and that. and like the the analytics and the the data behind like, okay, this is where it makes sense. Here's a heat map, this and that. There's a lot there. So have you guys streamlined those processes so that as you do those quarterly reviews with your customers, you can kind of give recommendations or what does that what does that look like?
1: We have phenomenal talent when it comes to our solutions team that are doing this work. It's not AI. It's just, I putting together this analysis. Um, They, as the, as the industry continues to evolve and and it is evolving right now, there's a lot of disruption in the carrier space right now. Um, They are on front of it and they're looking to like, how do we best satisfy our clients? You know, there was a time where everybody was like, Hey, I want to be in five locations because that sounded cool. I'm closer to home. But managing that inventory was really, really difficult for our clients. So I'll give you an example. We had a client that required to be in multiple locations. So we moved them to their multiple locations. Well, they were having difficulty managing what stock was where and when it was needed. So then their costs actually went up because they were having to split ship. They may have had item A in one location and item B in another location. And so they spent a million dollars a year more than they needed to doing split shipping because now you have two shipments on Really, when on sorry, two shipments and parcel fees, when you should only have one for the same order. Um, So, I think that there is an appropriate time when you, especially with heavier weight products, where you should be in multiple locations. But if you can manage all your inventory in one location, you reduce the cost, the carrying cost of your inventory, it's a lot less headaches for our clients, it allows us to be most um, optimal with your shipping solutions. And the reason why we have our Denver location is because it's the perfect location for us to do this and then do the line hauls out to those locations. And you're essentially still getting a node as if you were in Las Vegas and a node as if you were in Chicago. And you're only paying for the transportation from those locations. Not all carriers will do that. We only have some that will actually do that. But that is a competitive advantage for us.
0: Is it? Um, I, I love the, the idea of the zone skipping. I think that's, that's pretty novel. I haven't talked to many warehouses. And I, you know, I don't talk to as many warehouses as probably you or Emerson, but um, not. I, I, I haven't heard of a ton of warehouses doing this. For, for our listeners, I'm, I'm semi-familiar with zone skipping. Can you just explain, you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds on what zone skipping is?
1: Yeah. So if we were to ship a product out of our Denver location, where all the inventory is consolidated, consolidated into, With some carriers, if we didn't have this zone skipping option, you would essentially be shipping it from Denver and paying from Denver, let's just say to California or from Denver to New Jersey. Zone skipping, essentially, we're using a line haul to basically transport that package all the way to Las Vegas. And then the zone, which is the transportation cost, only starts from Las Vegas to California. And then conversely, if we were shipping it to Chicago, you're only paying from Chicago to New Jersey. Mm -hmm.
0: Gotcha. And is that the carrier that's doing the line haul or or yes. is it your
1: team doing the that? Car- the, carriers the carrier doing the line haul. It's a very innovative solution that, you yeah. know, we, we were trying to figure out how to optimize for our clients. And what we did in this particular instance is we ended up moving them from their two nodes all the way back to just their original one node, which was in Denver. We've actually been able to reduce their overall transportation costs and the time to home was equal. When, so for would
2: you kind of suggest that for, for brands. I mean it's such a scale it's like I don't say it's niche. There's definitely like you said before, a time and a place for a brand to do that. Um is there a time when you suggest it's like, hey, if you're doing more than a thousand orders a month, ten thousand orders a month, maybe having multiple locations makes sense, or a certain like product size that it makes sense, or is there like a rule of thumb that a brand should be looking at, like, okay, this is when I can do multi location fulfillment?
1: We We try and educate and inform our brands to not even look at doing that until they're over a thousand orders a day. And I would these brands that I'm actually giving you examples of do three thousand orders a day and it still made sense for them to be in one location. So, you know, we run the analysis. We we don't we we don't look at all clients solutions equal we take each client as they come into the door and we develop a solution for them that is fulfillment and transportation related together and then we present them multiple multiple options because we are not exactly sure what is their number one priority is it cost is it time to home you know is it being in multiple locations being able to walk down the road and touch and feel their product so We don't want to lock ourselves in by saying this is the one solution that we have, but I can tell you it's one of the best solutions that we have that we have a lot of folks that are attracted to it.
2: That's awesome. How does that affect you guys on, I don't know, maybe client selection? Is there a certain profile like, hey, a Quickbox fulfillment, this is like the type of customer we're looking at. It's like, hey, we're only doing apparel. We're only doing large products. We're doing this volume size, or what do you guys look for that makes sense for your book of business um, to operate efficiently at.
1: We do some apparel. We try and stay away from the large size. Our ICP, our ideal client profile is in the health, wellness, beauty, pet, and CPG verticals. You know, one of the reasons is they're small item, high volume, high turns. And that is really, you know, we don't have like some of these other third-party logistics providers Space is not something that is like in abundance for us. We manage within, you know, lower square footage and we want the most turns that we can get out of that square footage. Uh, So if you think of like shoebox size and smaller and high turns and particularly in the health, wellness and beauty space, that is really our sweet spot for us. Um, it doesn't mean that we won't look at other um, verticals because we will. We have some apparel accounts that actually fit well within you know, our New Jersey location, and we have some in California as well. Uh, but really, we, we, we spend our time focusing on those other verticals.
2: I think it's important, especially highlight to our listeners, is like it's great to hear a warehouse that knows their customer profile, who they're working with. I think a lot of brands where they have frustrations or it's kind of like a connotation in the industry of like not too many people like their 3PLs. I think usually that's because there's not that alignment or either on the onboarding process, it's a 3PL saying, hey, we can fulfill everything for anyone regardless of the size. And if it's usually a smaller client, may not be getting the attention that a larger client gets due for multiple reasons or whatnot, or just the infrastructure or setup isn't there to service that type of client. So it may not be that the warehouse is a bad warehouse, it just might be a bad fit. for that specific client type. So I think it's important. Like, that's great to hear like, all right off the bat, you knew like what kind of cu- customers you're looking for in type of that profile. And I think that's um, on a brand size side, they need to be able to identify that right partnership. Um, that makes sense for everyone to, to work together. Um, for yeah. you guys in your, in your industry, what are some of the tips or what are some of the things you guys do to make sure you have that strong alignment with your merchant? You kind of talk about QBRs and things like that, but what helps create that transparency or, creates a great relationship between a brand and the warehouse.
1: This is so important. It all is centered around trust. We have built the QuickBox leadership team and have cascaded this trust equation across the company. And that just doesn't exist with us as leaders and our employees, but also with our customers, right? Our clients. So first and foremost, we want to be able to give our clients transparency. And one of the things that we thought in the beginning was, boy, if we open up, you know, our 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 system to them and they can see real time what's going on in the operation, is that going to actually cause more issues and actually, you know, spark more questions? Or is it actually going to allow our clients to feel like they have a pulse on the operation and they don't have to be making phone calls? It worked out like that. So we wanted to... if, if If I think about being a brand, one of the reasons why I don't want to outsource is because I'm going to lose control. So we wanted to solve the problem, which was to give them the pulse of the business and they feel like they're somewhat in control. So we have a system. They have the ability to get in there. They can see it real time. It's maybe one to two minutes different than what we would see. They can see anything from site level inventory to inventory across multiple locations. They can see the order status, whether or not we're within SLA. Um, They can see which is service level agreement and what time we should ship. They can um, basically look at their time to home. They can look at it by carrier, by state. They can drill it all the way down to tracking information. So we want to arm our clients with information that allows them to see everything that we see real time. That has built a level of trust with our clients. I think also a high level of communication, having quarterly business reviews is super important. But quarterly is so far away that what we want to make sure that we double down on is is giving our clients an extension of their brand within the warehouse. So each one of our brands, they have a client services manager. So we're we're not a ticketing system where if you have a problem, you're entering a ticket into the system and you have to wait 24 hours for somebody to respond. We're a bit old school and that we're doubling down on relationship. And this client services manager actually works with the brand and they're in conversations with them every day. They have a formal meeting with them every week. So I think like building that level of trust with our um, clients has been, um, you know, really beneficial in driving a good mutually beneficial relationship.
2: I have so much to add to that. that's amazing. First off, like kudos again to you guys and your team. That is awesome. Um, like you yeah, have my background in e-commerce and supply chain. There's been some major pain points of working with warehouses I've worked with or brands I've consulted with about their warehouses not giving information of, like, what's going on with their their orders, where things are at. So I was working on building a tool, a Shopify tool, to help provide transparency between the warehouse and the brand that basically calculates some of the metrics you're talking about as far as, like, a a lot of 3PLs might get an order in and then they generate a shipping label. So it looks like that order has been fulfilled, but it hasn't actually been dispatched yet. So maybe the label was created within six hours of the order being created, but doesn't actually leave the dock for like three or four days or whatever. Um, And so just like misalignment there. And so I was talking to a a 3PL saying, Hey, I can help provide more insight that will give you and your customers more insight to where that order was. And he was like, Oh no, I don't want that. He's like, I don't want my customers to know this aspect Mm -hmm. of it. I'll get more questions and concerns. And that's a very common trait I saw when talking to some of these 3PLs is like, oh, I don't want to give my brand more data because then that's going to show my weaknesses and they're more afraid to hide their weaknesses than fix the problem. So I think kudos to you guys first off of being able to share that information, um, identify when there's weaknesses or things to improve and communicating that with your customers. That's going to build that trust that you talked about. So kudos to you guys on on having that data, sharing it. That's a huge thing that I think most most warehouses try to avoid um, which is crazy but grateful you guys are doing that's awesome
0: thank you and emerson um i'm having flashbacks to a a certain uh, canadian warehouse that we about. worked with <laughs> yeah uh, it was like two years i mean we're not going to name names but it, it, it publicly but it was was it two years of like asking every almost every day we need access to the data. Can we get a login? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll get that to you like later, later. And it was two years of that and not a good relationship. Very burned bridges all around, uh, unfortunately. Um, So yeah, no, I, I, I I mean, Irene, it's like, you know what to say, hopefully, you know, um, you know, you're, you're speaking our language here. So that's, I think one thing that brands or brands, when you're looking at a warehouse focus on that, like trust and visibility or like the data. That's, that's huge. I love, I love to hear that.
1: Yeah. Um, That that transparency tool that we give them to, they really enjoy it because it also helps them when they go to board meetings. So it's historical, they can pull information out of there and they can drill down into the information. We use it for our QBR reporting. So it's, it's actually been super beneficial.
0: Is that all inside of your WMS or is this a different software that you're running?
1: No, it's not inside of our WMS. We actually have an amazing um, software development and IT team. I mean, they they are, you know, I, I'll say this. our, our I have, the, the team that we have here at QuickBox is the absolute best team that I've ever had the honor and pleasure of working with. You know, a lot of them come from very big orgs, and including myself, and we understand what good looks like. And the cool thing is, is we're able to bring that what good looks like to a smaller company where we're able to be nimble and flexible. So when we were trying to solve this problem, we reached out to the IT team and they came up with a solution to say, look, we're not sure what our WMS platform is going to be long-term and you don't ever want to like lock yourself into that. So they built this technology. Mm -hmm. It's basically like uh, it's, it's in the middle system agnostic. It allows all of our clients to connect to that. We call it a preprocessor that connects to our warehouse management system, and it also connects to our BI tools that we have, where they're able to pull their data from.
0: Wow, those are words That's you also- don't hear from W or from warehouses very often. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> BI tools. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this oh, is nice. great. So, uh, mm-hmm. just for for my context, a little bit, what's kind of the minimum? You kind of mentioned your ICP minimum ships per month uh, for a brand that you work with.
1: we actually look at it per day most of our facilities operate seven days a week california doesn't really have a lot of volume right now so we're only operating five days a week but we -hmm. like to have a brand that does at least 500 orders a day that doesn't mean that we won't work with an emerging brand i have a passion for like connecting to these entrepreneurs when i'm out at trade shows and if i if we see something that looks cool and it's going to actually do well in the space we will take on a client that might not even have any order volume yet But typically, we look for 500 orders a day and more. Okay.
0: Because I guess my my question is, I, I love some of the things that you've mentioned, but a lot of the brands that I've consulted with and I talked to the brands that I've started, we're not at 500 orders a day. So it's kind of like, I, I want to be able to like take some of these snippets and be able to like, for a lot of our audience, like they're, they may not be, you know, on that level either. So I want to be able to kind of highlight some of the things that you're saying and be, you know, maybe some of them do self fulfillment or maybe they're looking for another warehouse partner. Maybe you're, they're a little too small at the moment for you. So I guess in in the things that we've talked about, what would be your top three things for brands to look at when they're either working with their own warehouse fulfilling self fulfillment, or they are uh, looking or shopping around trying to find the right three PL for them?
1: I think they need a system that's going to be able to support um, their process efficiently. So you know if they look if they're looking for let's say just say they're doing it themselves. They go out and get a warehouse management system. There's I've used a myriad of different warehouse management systems. And what I can say is none of them are perfect. Some of them are super expensive. Some of them are very cheap and some of them don't have like, you know, a lot of them are missing just key functionality. Um, What you need is a system that's going to allow you the flexibility to support your brands as your end market changes. So let's just say if you are shipping to consumers today, and this is where a lot of people make a mistake, they're shipping to consumers today, and they're building capability with their WMS to ship to consumers. But now tomorrow you decide you're going to ship to Target. Does it have the ability to support B2B compliance? Can it manage an item master that has multiple units of measure? Do you have functionality with you know, to being able to manage your inventory appropriately. Um, there are a lot of systems out there that have a lot of constraints. I feel like the system shows well when you get a demo, but actually going and using the system and seeing if it applies to the work that you're doing is very critical. Um, so I think those are like some key things to look for in a system. That's gonna be the foundation of success, getting the right team in place I say this is a mantra of mine that leadership is the difference between a performing organization and one that doesn't. So surround yourself with people that you can trust that are capable and reliable. They will, you know, you get them on the same page and keep them with the high level of communication and everybody knows where you're going and why you'll get a team that, you know, is aligned to your mission and your purpose and you'll be successful.
2: No, that's perfect. That's a, Irene, you're crushing it. Honestly, I feel like, uh, you've been on a handful of podcasts and know how to answer these questions. So kudos. Never. Awesome. This is my first. <laughs> she, she, cheated.
0: She cheated.
1: Imagine,
2: yeah. No. I think, uh, I think I've seen it on the news a couple of times, ace in these interviews. This is great. Um, Irene, thanks so much for, for all these awesome answers and give us some highlights on the three PL industry and QuickBox as a whole. Um, as we kind of wrap up the, the podcast, we'd like to have some fun disclosure questions, um, at the end, with us being in e-commerce, we always love um, hearing about new brands, new fun ideas in the e-commerce space. Um, with you being on the logistics side, I love picking the brains of operators and logistics people um, to see if you were to start a e-commerce brand today, what type of product or industry would you be in and why?
1: Well, I can answer this honestly because about eight, eight <laughs> to ten years ago, I wanted to start a brand. I had the name, the – the the packaging designed out I met with a couple of formulators but my vision was to start a gender gender neutral cosmetics brand and that is is because yeah. you know you see these you know women and or people that look good when they're like wearing their cosmetics and it's like night and day and it's not normalized for like all people to wear cosmetics even though the newscasters and you know might be wearing them so I wanted it to just be normalized and I wanted to launch a brand so I had a passion for that I think it's actually something that exists today, so you know it's a little bit outdated, but but yeah, that was that was my vision.
0: No, that's awesome. It's interesting it's already
2: been existed. It can still it can still exist. I mean, everyone's making (laughs) t-shirts for hundreds of thousands of years. There's new clothing brands every day, so crush
1: it <laughs> i had my models picked out and everything i mean i just i got so close and then never took it over the goal line i've had the blessing though and this opportunity to meet a lot of formulators and cosmetic brands now that we you know I'm, mm-hmm. we're really heavily focused in the beauty space so maybe mm-hmm. one of these days i'll actually get it off the ground
0: yeah just pull the trigger i mean you've got your hands full you've got a you know you're, you're you've got a pretty wild uh E- com- or e-commerce quote-unquote you know warehousing business so that's uh you're busy there but uh i, I think you should go for it just you know pull yeah, the trigger you. you know it's never it's never too late um well irene thank you so much for for jumping on with us today you like emerson said you've got some some gold nuggets in kind of what you said today um, it's always interesting talking to warehouses some you can kind of see if they've got their ducks in a row others don't it sounds like you guys really have your ducks in a row um for our audience, if they uh, if they you know want to learn more about QuickBox, where they can where can they find you and, and how can get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we have our, our uh, QuickBox Fulfillment um, website, so feel free to reach out through there. There's ways to actually get in contact through there as well. Um, and then we also have our senior brand manager, his name is Caden Cribs, and it is um, C Cribs, so C C R I B B S at quickbox.com. He's the one who kind of manages that whole front end for us. And he does an amazing job.
0: Awesome. And that's a quick bo- a quickbox.com if you guys are interested. And yes. uh, anyway, thank you so much, Irene. We really appreciate it. And that's the pod.